Hey guys, Leah Pika here. Today, I'm jiving with my new bestie and pro presentation coach who lives for learning about what moves people during a talk. Stay tuned to find out who's starring on the Present Beyond Measure show, episode 27. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics, visualizations, and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hello, hello. Welcome to the 27th episode of the Presempion Measure Show. 27 is quite an intriguing and auspicious number if you're a numbers geek like me. It is three cubed, it is the number of letters in the Greek alphabet, and it is the number of days for the moon to revolve around the earth. That has absolutely no relevance to you. (laughs) Yay! So I have a couple of exciting speaking gigs on the horizon. If you're interested in squeezing more value from your email marketing, I'll be sharing an email analytics recipe on the next Digital Analytics Association webinar. That is slated for Wednesday, April 26th. Stay tuned to their site for details. I'll also be speaking at the Columbus Web Analytics Wednesday, June 14th. It's my very first WA dub. Very exciting stuff. I'm stoked. So if you're ever looking to see where I'm heading next, definitely check out my speaking page at leahpika.com slash speaking. I would love to meet you. Today's guest is a well-aged interview that I've been saving up for a special occasion. And... The occasion is, I can't wait to release it. She is an invaluable resource to the aspiring TED community, and I believe she can bring amazing value to this Anna present visualization tribe. (laughs) Let's get to our guest. What's up, guys? I'm so so excited to bring you today's guest. She is a professional speaking coach and trainer and has been speaking, performing, and coaching other speakers for nearly two decades. Her online home is thismovedme.com, where she offers tons of valuable content on how to gain more confidence and design talks that create moving moments for your audiences. She also offers an amazing, awesome speakers toolkit, which you can sign up for on her website. And she's also the host of my favorite podcast, which is also called This Move Me, where she interviews the leading experts of presentation prowess in a conversational, intimate setting. And we met because I was a recent guest and we really hit it off. On top of it all, she's just all around one of my favorite people that I've met starting this journey. She is wonderful. I'd like to introduce Sally Coring Zimney. Welcome. Oh my gosh, Leah, I'm blushing. That was that was so sweet. I I'm ditto right back at you. It's been so fun to meet you. I'm really excited to be on your show and to talk it up with you and meet your audience and all that good stuff. Woohoo. Well, they are in for a treat because, you know, I call you one of my discipline experts because you're not necessarily in the analytics practicing world. You're a discipline expert in the field of presentation awesomeness. That's an actual field. And or I'm making <laughs> I'm it proud one. to be in presentation <laughs> awesomeness. <laughs> CEO of 
Exactly. Oh my gosh, how cool would that be? (laughs) Right? Um, But I think it's really important to step outside of our little analytics bubble from time to time to bring in experts like yourself and shed different kinds of strategies on various aspects of presenting. So, you know, we met because I happened to tweet your podcast out on a Friday follow just on a lark, you know, for my favorite presentation podcast. I was a voracious listener and you actually reached out to me. We connected and we just hit it off. We're like besties from three (laughs) weeks ago. (laughs) And, you know, it's just been great from there. But, you know, first, Sally, I would love if you could talk a little bit about your origin story. How did you fall into this whole presentation shindig? Sure. Yeah. Well, I just want to say I had that same feeling when you reached out. And that's (laughs) one of the things that I love about doing a podcast or a show like this. It's it's such an incredible way to network and to meet people. And connections are really important to me. That's that's why I do what I do and love what I do, because I think that's really what all of this is all about, whether you're uh, standing in front of a meeting and presenting some important numbers and reporting on something, or you're giving a TED talk, it's really all about connections. Mm-hmm. And so my history is this really wonderful combination of the technical skills of uh, learning how to give a speech. I was really active in high school speech. If there are any like other speech geeks out there, uh-huh. I would- Hello. That was that was me. <laughs> Just spent many many a Saturday talking to a wall, nice. um, and loved it. Uh, and and I I w- benefited from having really some of the best coaches in the country. Mm. And so I I have this technical background in giving speeches, which was a really great foundation. But then I was in theater and and doing shows in high school. And that's really what I focused on in college was this performing aspect and really learning the craft of um, taking on a character and that magical live theater audience performer connection thing, which I just kind of got addicted to. Mm-hmm. And as I grew up and sort of said, okay, how do I apply? How do I apply all these skills and how do I bring this out into the world more? I found myself working at an organization that gave lots of talks every year. So I myself was would be out in a school uh, giving two different talks a day about these big ideas like kindness or courage or respect, working with teachers and helping them create a more collaborative environment. And so I myself did tons and tons of speaking. And it was this really, I, I discovered this connection between theater and speech and bringing the technical to the artistic mm-hmm. and finding that connection there. And while I was there, getting tons and tons of experience speaking in all these different environments, I started coaching. Um, That was part of my job at the organization. So I was coaching 15 speakers a year who each give somewhere between five and seven talks um, a year uh, and repeat those talks over and over again. Mm -hmm. But it's just such an incredible way. I cut my teeth in a huge way. I learned a ton. I made a ton of mistakes. I fumbled and honed my craft as a coach and found 
that I loved it. And I love working with people and I love really helping them find their voice and pull their story out. And so really organically over the last 10 years or so, it has turned into a consulting business. So I coach speakers and help develop events that move their audiences. And I host a podcast, as you mentioned, this moved <laughs> me, which was just really a fun way for me to begin to share my knowledge on a broader scale and connect with more people. And I totally loved it, partly because I get to meet people like you. So mm-hmm. yeah, so the technical and the artistic kind of came together. And I love people. So I was like, how can I how can I go talk with the people? That's (laughs) That's an amazing story. And I think it explains why else we might be soulmates a little bit Mm -hmm. is just our our common background in public speaking. But also you mentioned the performance, uh, musical theater and performance aspect, which I know absolutely empowered me with the discipline I needed to understand how to deliver something confidently that I could be confident in. Um, But, you know, most of the people listening to this podcast do not have any background like that. Mm-hmm. And some of them, sometimes the comments I get is, I'm not a natural performer. I'm not a natural speaker. Mm. Do you think that that background or talent or inclination is required to be a successful presenter? No. I think what's required to be a successful presenter is way more hard work than anybody expects or guesses. It's a ton of time. You, in order to kind of find your feet up in front of people, because it can seem like such an unnatural thing. Like, this is crazy. When when I'm rehearsing with somebody, I'm like, let's just talk about how weird this is. This <laughs> is really weird, right? You're pretending there are people in here that you're talking to, but you're not really talking to them. And <laughs> let's just get it out there. This is very uh, manufactured. Uh, but But it's that sort of practice where you put in enough time that it does become something that doesn't feel so foreign to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there was something I loved about it right away, but I didn't really find my, my comfort in it and my, my love for it until you start to experience one of those moments where you're like, Oh, something's clicking here. This mm-hmm. is really working. Um, so, you know, I, I think there, there are certainly people who have a, a, a more natural affinity towards it mm-hmm. and and maybe enjoy the spotlight a little bit more mm. but i think the the range of what a great speaker is is really wide and i want it to be wide i want it to be full of uh people who are you know the entertaining ones who are just soak it up and they're like you know i'll talk about anything versus the people who are content experts and find themselves speaking and don't necessarily like it, but know that it's important. Like Mm -hmm. there can, there can be fantastic moments created by anybody on that spectrum. So that's, I I think um, it's a mistake to make that assumption that just because you're, you're not somebody who's like, yeah, get me up on stage that you can't (laughs) do something powerful with the moment that you have in front of you. Right. I think, 
that's amazing inspiration for a lot of people because, again, the listeners here and the people in my field are typically highly technical, trained, specialized in numbers, things like that. And this does not come naturally, but I love your message about what the range is of what a good speaker can be. Yeah. And thinking about that, uh, one of my previous guests, Stefan Hamel, in episode 13, he was given advice from a very well-known expert in our industry uh, after one of his uh, sessions at a conference. And he said, hey, how did you think how I did? And this expert told him, your passion makes up for your polish. Mm. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts on can can passion outrank practice or polish uh, when it's just so clear that someone is so passionate about it, even if they're a little rough around the edges? Mm -hmm. I think it can. Um, I wouldn't bank on that. (laughs) You know, they're. I, I've seen that where somebody, and I have done that myself, where I'm like, I got this. I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't need to rehearse as much as somebody else. Um, and that can come back to bite you. It's live theater. You don't know what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that assumption. But I think that's true sometimes where somebody's, love for what they're doing. You, you see that and appreciate it and it makes you care about what they're talking about mm-hmm. too. Um, but I, I don't think it's, it's obviously not everything. It gets you pretty far though, you know? So the message is passion is fantastic and that's a great starting point. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to knock it out of the park, you got to practice. Right. <laughs> always. And I totally always. agree. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think the for the rare public speaker who's doing this for their job where they've got their standard spiel and they're out there uh, week in and week out and their their personalization of that is like maybe a little different intro mm. or something, you know, but really they're doing the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. I mean, that's the other end of that that practice spectrum where they're no longer fully present in what mm-hmm. they're doing and you you can't cuz I've been there too. Um and that's that's the other side of that that can get really dangerous. And my guess is your audience are really they're not repeating their talk over and over again. It's it's definitely something where when I talk about it um, it's a bit of a struggle at first. And that's mm-hmm. very much due to the extremely limited time that they're given to mm-hmm. prepare mm-hmm. Um, for a meeting. I think there's this whole chain, and this is kind of what I want to segue into, is about smaller internal meetings, not high stakes presentations, but smaller yeah. internal meetings where they're asked to put together something with three days time. And I think that chain starts with upper management requesting that because they don't also, they may not have seen a fantastic internal presentation that has had enough time and polish. So they're requesting it with a short turnaround because they don't understand that that time is necessary. So this this chain of last minute garbagey Mm -hmm. (laughs) presentations are just getting cycled. So, you know, it's so true. One of my biggest clients that I work with, uh, 
they're, they're, they're starting this big internal change because as I've worked with this one particular team who happens to have a boss who really cares about the kind of presentations they give. Mm -hmm. So they commit and spend a lot of time preparing. Well, they're knocking everybody's socks off. And so everyone's like, what's your secret? What's your secret? Mm -hmm. Well, they'll say, well, Sally's our secret. I'm like, no, really your secret is that you hire me to come in and I hold you accountable to all this time that we prepare. Mm -hmm. That's the secret is that you can't avoid this. You can't uh, there's so many other things that you have to do, but your boss has said that we have this day together. So we're going to get a, we're going to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has started to change what's happening internally. Now I'm working, starting to work with other teams in there and they're like, well, we only have, you know, two hours. I'm like, well, that we're not going to get very far. <laughs> When we do that, I'm happy to do it. Let's see where we get. But just so you know, this team took three days of of full time, all day preparing with me for that meeting. So it's kind of, you know, you're going to, you're going to see those results. There's, right. that's a natural consequence to, to what you're doing. Those people are lucky. I think that's fantastic because I hear so many times, but my boss or manager, they don't know what they want. They ask for these crazy things. Mm. Um, what I'm trying to empower practitioners to do is first ask for more time. Say, I take a chance on me is probably the most important phrase I give people when they're implementing these kinds of changes. You know, I love that. I, I'm, I took a new presentation course. I, I want to do things better. I really want this stuff to matter for you. Take a chance on me. Give me another week and let me know what you think because i know i can really amp up my game for this right right and i'm hearing yeah. great things about that take a chance on me mm-hmm. line take a dun, dun, dun. <laughs> i'm sorry i just had to i it was it just kept running through my head i might have to tell them to actually play that when they're asking <laughs> totally that that may unfortunately undercut them in a way that oh. we don't intend oh okay <laughs> All right, I'll reconsider. Okay, <laughs> but no, it, it's been amazing to hear people be like, "Yeah, I said take a chance on me." They did, and they loved it. And I'm like, "Oh yes, this is what I'm talking about." So Good. I love Good. that. So something else I want to talk about is, um, you know, when I first started learning about excellent presentation, I started with Presentation Zen and Slideology and Resonate, the big dog books, you know, and those really amazing principles and they lended well to high stakes, large format presentations like what you work with. Mm -hmm. But the majority of my audience aren't presenting in that sort of scenario. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear about ideas for distilling down some of those moving big picture Mm -hmm. principles down to small meetings where you're face to face. Well, I, when I, when I was thinking about this, Leah, one of the first things that jumped into my mind is this really important concept that I'm working with all of my speakers on, whether they're on a big stage or they're preparing for a pitch in a meeting. And that is we have to throw out the rules that we think uh, run this particular artistic uh, endeavor, because it is kind of an artistic endeavor. So that that's what I, I feel like is so essential 
for, especially if you're in a meeting. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's like, more meetings. Yes, I want more <laughs> meetings. I can't wait to hear what you have to say to me. I love like people. Okay. <laughs> okay. You and maybe three others. My mom. Yeah. Okay. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just think we owe it to our audience, whether it's five people or, you know, 500 people, you owe it to your audience to break some of the rules <laughs> that lull people into just mediocre expectations. So, you know, part of that's what you just talked about. Like you have to put in more time, Mm -hmm. uh, in order to do something a little bit differently. But I, I once sat in a meeting where, uh, the woman who was leading it, she, she lit candles (laughs) and she, this and this woman, the reason I was thinking about this is she's a total numbers type. Like mm-hmm. she's the S on the Myers Briggs, and she is she's absolutely right up your alley, Leah. Like she wants to be accurate, and it's got to be mm-hmm. there's got to be evidence. Um, but we were trying to find uh, the, the story, we were trying to find sort of the inspiration in the numbers, mm-hmm. and she said. I'm going to, we've got to, we've got to change this up. And so if she did, she like lit candles and she was, and she was laughing at herself. I mean, she was kind of acknowledging, all right, we're going to find the the meaning here, people. We're going to, you know, (laughs) and, and I remember this meeting. And to me, that's one of the challenges that we face as presenters in whatever arena you're, you're speaking in is, is how do you make things sticky and meaningful? Right. Um, and there has to be something creative. There's got to be some creative energy that goes into that. And and in order to do that, we've got to be willing to break some of the rules, like whether it's um, changing up the space or the way the space is set up. I feel like that is one of the most powerful mm. things that a speaker can do is bust out of the table sitting around the table situation or um you know if you if you're sitting in more like a classroom setup like i hate tables i think tables get in the way it makes people um it feels safe for the audience in some ways right because mm. they've got they can put a lot of things in front of them put mm-hmm. up their computer they can get their notebook out who knows what they're doing right right <laughs> they're, they Candy don't crash necessarily saga. Exactly. Candy Crush Saga. Mm -hmm. Um, But something really powerful can happen when you just say, you know what, I know this is how we normally do it, but I'm just going to change the space up and see what happens. That can completely change the mode of a meeting or an internal presentation, just being really thoughtful about the kind of connection you want to create. Because I think it's really, really important that even if you're, this is technically called a meeting, any face-to-face interaction with somebody is about connection, mm-hmm. whether it's a huge audience or like I said, you're with, you're with five people. Otherwise you could do this uh, over email or send it in right. a video, you know, and that's not what you're doing. You're there face-to-face in person. It's 
really helpful, I think, to think of it as live theater in some ways. So what are you going to do that actually makes a connection with the people Mm. in the audience? That's a great point, because I would say that from what I've observed from a lot of especially analytics and marketing presentations, is a total disconnect between the speaker and the audience Yeah, where you've gone completely internal and you're just trying to get through it and you haven't really stopped to think about what is in it for them. (laughs) Why am I here? What value am I adding? And I love the idea of, of changing up the environment. So you're thinking like pushing them back the table, getting in a circle with chairs kind of thing like yeah okay or even having people stand up if it's a short presentation I Mm. mean there's that that would totally totally change the kind of vibe and connection in there or Mm -hmm. just having people sit in a semi-circle which is really nice and a nice way to do it rather than it being more classroom style or people hiding behind a (laughs) conference table, whatever it might be. So I just think we can be more creative in how you approach it. Sure. Surprise people. I I like that a lot. Um, I, one way I like to surprise people in my meetings is putting a title on a presentation that isn't campaign overview or (laughs) media report. Like I actually like to put an action item as the title of the meeting, like decide on Q4 media optimization plan, something where there's an action. So changing things up. I love it. Yes. So I love your moving presentations email series. I've been gobbling it up and I highly recommend it to anyone. I'm going to put a link on the show notes page for that. Um, But tell us, tell us a little bit about the journey that you're taking people on with the series, starting with the sassy toolkit, which I love. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, you know what, whenever anybody is on the internet trying to be helpful to people and valuable. Uh, you're always coming up with different, different things that you can do. And I was like, well, I have all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I have all these kind of tools that I use and I'm working with my speakers and I, how, how can I get it to people? <laughs> so yeah. once I kind of figured that out, um, then I just, thought it would be a fun, helpful thing for people, especially if they're, if, if they're in the journey of trying to move their audience, trying to get them excited about a new idea or interested in the information that you want to lay out for them. Like mm-hmm. there are so many things that we can do. So many things that, uh, we sort of assume as speakers that, that we can think more deeply about. So like you mentioned, the SASE um, method ebook, which is an acronym for speaker uh, or space audience speaker idea, S-A-S-I, space audience speaker idea. And really, you know, for instance, we just talked about space. A lot of people don't think about manipulating their space and how what a huge impact that can have in the feel of the room and the connection that you can make with uh, your audience, which is, I think the most important thing that we're, that we're trying to do there. So, um, you know, it's, it's just chock full of lots of good stuff in there that I've collected over the years working with my speakers. It is really, it is amazing. And I think it's an excellent start for people just starting to think about how to 
hone their craft. Yeah. And um, the next amazing resource you give is your messaging map, which when I saw this, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I use something very similar to this. Um, a cool. while ago, I found a framework called Presentation by Boxes uh, by Olivia Mitchell. And your name is much cooler for it. So I'm going to have to figure out another name. <laughs> but I, I love it because I will honestly say that the process that I see most people in my field approach a presentation is they hear they have to present, they open up their data, they start putting charts on slides, and mm. they go in there. Mm. And there isn't a a moment to take a step back and figure out, map out your overarching message. So can you talk a little bit about that tool? Yeah. I found it to be such a helpful tool when uh, people are having a hard time sort of seeing what I'm talking about. Like as a coach, if I, if I say to somebody like right now, we're, we're hitting a few different levels um, in terms of your energy. So it kind of hits one level here. And then in this section, it gets a little more high energy in that section there. And they're kind of look at me like, Oh, can you, Oh, help me out here. Like, what are you talking about? So I'll say, okay, let's watch this together. And we're going to, we're going to really literally map it out. So as your energy increases, our line's going to go up. And as your energy decreases, it'll go down. And let's just see what kind of picture we have at the end of it. Okay. There's no right or wrong answer at this point. Let's just see where you're at. Um, so it's, it's just incredibly helpful to, to look at it at the end and say, wow, you're right. I've got one moment there where I'm a little more high energy, but most of the time it sort of stays flat. Mm. It's like, oh, okay. So, um, let's, we, you know, I'm kind of feeling like we need to add a little something here. Like how can we pick up the energy in this area or, you know, that story, you just kind of, you went dead there. And I think we can deliver that differently, whatever it might be like as a coach and between a coach and a speaker, I think it's really, really helpful. And if you're doing it on your own, you can apply that same thinking to almost any, uh, and anything you're looking to get a picture of. So you could do it with pacing. You could do it with volume. You could do it with like funny moments. You could do it with sad. <laughs> like you can, anything you want to say, be able to look at it and say like, where, where is this hitting? Um, and what is this, what does this talk actually look like? Um, so I found it to be really helpful and, it's a great self-analysis tool. Mm -hmm. If you can take the time to do that, and uh, it's really, in some ways, it's sort of an objective look at what am I doing? Right. You know? And I think that I don't necessarily know that for every presentation internally or readout that people in my field do. I mean, we do them weekly sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would love is for everyone to just look at that tool to understand the ebb and flow of a presentation when someone, when you have someone's attention mm. um, and think about incorporating elements of that into a template. And then they can follow that going forward for, for their readout meetings. So right. I think right. that's so overlooked. Just a reminder that we, we can stretch 
you know, we, we think that we sometimes are more high energy or mm. uh, we're, we're doing more than it actually comes across. And I've realized that for myself too. Like if you can, if you can summon the courage yeah. to listen to yourself or watch yourself and do that, <laughs> like there's so much helpful information there and, and overlaying this idea of what, what's my, what's my map look like on this? Watching yourself, I think, is so valuable. And you're right, scary. Uh, There was a recent presentation where I thought I really brought it, you know, mm -hmm. and I've been doing this for a while. And when I watched the video, I wanted to take a defibrillator and (laughs) literally shock myself into waking. I could not believe how monotone I sounded. My hands were doing weird things. So absolutely self-reflection on your actual presence is so valuable. And you know, it's tricky because you want, you want to have that information about yourself so that you have an accurate idea Mm -hmm. for yourself of what's actually happening. But the key is not becoming so obsessed with it that that's your only Mm. uh, sense of, of how things are going because your internal sense matters too. And I've seen people just take it too far where they're, they are so focused on uh, kind of, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking themselves. <laughs> and it can, it can, it can just mess with your head a little bit. So yeah. just always finding that balance between self analyzing and, and really processing and also not becoming too overly focused on it. I love your balanced approach because it's not, you must practice 800 times and (laughs) it's not dogmatic. It is very much about finding balance and comfort level. Um, Now, so that people don't really self-focus so much and go internal and they stay present. Do you have any tips for helping someone read their, the other team members in a meeting or an audience to gauge Mm. where they are? Mm. Well, um, I just read this thing uh, last night, actually, that I thought, oh my gosh, this is really good. And it's just, it was a reminder to me of, of acknowledging what's happening in the room and talking about it with your, with the people in your room. Hmm. So I think sometimes um, we can, so for instance, I, I worked with a client once who who the the person before them had gone too long and mm. they were thrown up in front uh, and a 45 minute presentation had to get cut down to 10 minutes. And there was oh. like four or five people who were needed to get up and speak. Uh. And she was processing it with me and talking about how she panicked. She didn't know what to do. So she kind of just like plunged forward and realized like, I can't, we can't, I can't just talk that fast. Like that's not actually going to solve the problem here. And I said, you know, why didn't you just turn to them and say, we need just a minute here. The five of us, obviously we don't have the time that we thought as we were preparing for this. And we want to make sure that we get you the most important things. So give us just a minute. We're going to regroup and we'll be right back to you. Mm. She was like, oh, huh. I don't know. It just felt like maybe we shouldn't do that. I was like, they know that you've got 10 minutes when you originally had 45. Mm. You know, let's just put it out there. And I think that same um, idea is really important 
you know, in a meeting where you, you can, you can talk to them and say, how's everybody doing? Mm. Do we need to stretch for a minute? Or, um, you know, uh, what of this stuff is most confusing or most interesting to you? Is there anything here that you'd like me to dig into more or, you know, anything like that, that sort of brings them into it and acknowledges what's really happening in the, in the room at that moment, I think is really important. Again, it kind of brings back to this idea of, um, this is, this is live. You are two people face to face. It's not going to go exactly like you thought it was going to go because <laughs> it, it just doesn't. That's the magic of it. Mm-hmm. So what's really happening and can you bring that out and talk about it? I think, I feel like that's a, something we don't do enough of because we feel like we shouldn't, or it's somehow wrong or against the rules or, and, you know, like I said, I think, I think there's a lot of rules we can throw out because they don't actually help us. (laughs) I love the idea of a pulse check. Someone suggested Mm -hmm. that to me for one of my early sessions. And what I found is that not only does it show that I remember, I'm still here for you. I've been talking a lot, but I'm I'm here for you, but it also snaps back their attention so quickly where they might be starting to drift off at some point, but suddenly I'm putting them on the spot. And of course, if you're seeing the head nods, which we talked about on your show, um, you're seeing the head nods, you know that you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I love that idea for a meeting. Haven't thought about doing that for a meeting. It's great. So um, I want to talk about... uh, if there was, you know, one thing you could tell like an aspiring presenter to do tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. and this isn't actually the upgrade tip, just one little thing, like what would you suggest that like a little change they could make? Hmm. For an aspiring speaker? Yeah. Well, I guess I would say, um, and I hope this doesn't sound too like duh, especially <laughs> especially with your audience. I know people talk about this a lot, but finding your your own voice is not an easy thing. Like that, that, I think it takes years to sort of find your feet up in front of people and feel comfortable with that, and really know that you're you're being fully in your own body when you're up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the ways that we can do that as an, ins- an aspiring speaker is to focus on story and whether you're doing a report with numbers or you're, uh, you know, doing something more inspirational that lends to that really easily. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, we undercut the role and the power that a story can have. So for instance, even starting a report or a talk by, by telling something funny that happened that day or with your kids mm-hmm. or something, I just feel like that a, a story goes so far to breaking down the wall that can exist between the person who's standing up and everybody else who's sitting there watching. Mm-hmm. And it's such an essential first uh, connection between people's brains. And, and when that door is open, then you can follow it up with evidence and information and people will have a sense of why it's important or um, what's at stake or just the fact that they feel more connected to you. So they're more willing to listen. 
So, um, and, and I know people talk about that a lot, like story is important. And, and I think it's a lot of people who I know in the business world still write it off, still say, well, that's, that's for, that's for Ted speakers and that's right. for motivational speakers. And that's not have, doesn't have anything to do with me and my work. Um, but I think we're, we're missing it when we don't also, uh, take advantage of what it, what happens in our brains when we hear a story and yeah. it literally, uh, quiets the brain and opens it up. And all of a sudden there's an imaginative connection happening between you and your audience. And that is worth gold. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to do it that feel apropos to the presentation you're giving and the situation you're in. Um, and not everything's going to apply every time, but I think story. I love that. And creating relatability, absolutely Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. best way to immediately connect with the audience and show you're a real person. You're not a talking head. You are flawed. (laughs) You've encountered the same struggles, but maybe you've knocked them down and you're going to show them how, but you definitely remember what it was like to be down there. So totally. Love that. So my favorite segment on your show, I think it's called This Moved Me, the segment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the This, this moved, moved Me moment. The This Moved yes. Me moment. It's very meta. <laughs> so I thought we could bring that to this episode. So would cool. you like to set that up for us? Sure. So every week on my show, I ask my lovely guests, like Leah, to share <sighs> something that has moved them recently. Uh, a conversation, a song, a talk that they saw, a piece of evidence that really got them excited or moved them, whatever it might be. And I share that. And I think it's really important for us as speakers to share that because we have to stay connected to what's moving us if we want to move our audience. Mm -hmm. So that kind of uh, inspiration that it needs to be like a faucet. We've always got to be feeding ourselves with that stuff. So um, that's what I do. And it, it's my favorite, it's my favorite segment in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I love hearing what people, what's feeding them and fueling them. And I know we, we didn't get to the one you wanted to get to <laughs> when you were on my show, Leah. <laughs> well, why don't you start since it's your okay. segment? I will. All right. So literally just before I hopped on with you, I ran across this cover of Adele's Hello. Mm. And it's a reggae cover. It's so good. It is so good. And reggae is like a secret love of mine. I, I love Not reggae. so secret anymore. Not so secret anymore. <laughs> but uh, I'm not ashamed. I just think reggae music is just so fun. And it, it makes me want to dance. Any reggae song, I'm just like, I have to dance. I love, love it. it. So Adele's Hello. It's a... Uh, I don't know who sings it. I'll send you the link if you want oh, to yeah. see it. But love to it's that. so good. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, and it's the best of, it's like, you know, it's an Adele song. So it's so good. Right. <laughs> and it's got all the power, but it's just like a little more low-key reggae style. Well, you'll definitely have to send me the link. I can't wait to listen and get my jam on. Um, okay, so, I will do that for sure. <laughs> so in terms of, uh, I saw a talk that moved me. So I had the privilege of seeing Seth Godin mm. present in a very small 
uh, setting. Uh, It was a small client summit uh, called the Clicktail Summit, uh, industry vendor for us. And he talked about the connection revolution and how the internet killed mass marketing and how marketing today, successful marketing is a one-on-one conversation. So there are very few talks where I don't end up analyzing it in like a third person (laughs) capacity. (laughs) But this one, I was so engrossed with his narrative, his delivery, the visuals. I was just swept up in it. It was a minor religious experience. (laughs) That is a very rare occurrence for me. But I have to share that. I love Seth Godin. He's amazing. He's so brilliant. Yeah. Was he wearing his orange glasses? No, I no, not the orange ones, but I think they were black, but he was wearing okay. glasses. But it was just it was just incredible and then, you know, you have this aura like euphoria afterwards and they opened it up for a Q&A. This is what I really have to share. They opened it up for Q&A afterwards. You get to ask Seth Godin a question. And the first question this guy asks, "Can you email me your slides?" Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> The whole room sort of just went, whoa. Oh. And Seth just kind of looked at him for a second and he said, I don't email my slides because you'd have no idea what they meant without me. And I was like, oh my God. And he just delivered an incredible presentation teaching oh. moment. So I all I could think was, first rule of Fight Club, you do not ask Seth Godin to email you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, of all the things you could ask, but I love his response. Uh-huh. That's exactly it. My yep. slides should mean nothing without me. Yeah. Because if they tell the whole story, then you don't need me. Right. This is not a presentation. This is a slide share. Or a handout, which is the number yeah. one question I get from my audience is, wait, I'm creating a presentation that I can email after for the people that weren't there. And I said, okay, so you're going to shortchange your live audience, the ones that are seeing you, promoting you, paying you. (laughs) You're shortchanging them so that the people who didn't come can semi-understand what happened. Speak it, Leah. That is... Preaching it. Dropping the mic. (laughs) It's so true. And I, I, I just... That that w- moment would have stood out to me too, because that's exactly how I should have responded. Was actually no, because it, it's not meant. It's meant to be my my visual backdrop. Right. It's my wingman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. Good one. <laughs> Thanks. So <laughs> this is the last question. It's my favorite one. Uh, speaking of dark secrets. Imagine this very plausible scenario. You're idly strolling the booths at Rom-Com, the nation's largest romance novel convention. (laughs) (laughs) When you trip on a wire and you fall into a rip in time, back to the moment you're about to give your first presentation, what would present you say to past you? Hmm. I think present me would say to past me to lighten up and have some fun Mm. because uh, you're gonna fumble, you're gonna make mistakes. And uh, this does not mean everything 
it means something, but not everything. And you will keep learning. And the only way to better is through. So keep doing it and might as well make it fun in the process. I love that. That this <laughs> this moment is not every moment. It doesn't define your entire future right. as a presenter. I love that. Nope. nope. And we have to just keep doing it mm-hmm. because literally there's no other way to get better at it than to do it. So take every opportunity you can, keep putting yourself out there, learn a ton and don't get to, don't get so serious about yourself and so self-absorbed mm-hmm. with it that you forget to enjoy it, that you forget that that this is a human interaction, a human connection happening. Right. So and people want to feel connected to you. They want if they enjoy you, if you're having fun, then then they will too. And if you're not, then they for sure won't. So. <laughs> that is so true. Mm-hmm. See, and next time we'll maybe be strolling the booths at Romcom <laughs> together <laughs> and learning oh important, gosh. valuable lessons about. I presenting. love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, oh. Sally, I could chat with you all day, but no, this is so fun. I know, always, but unfortunately, we've run out of time. So, please tell the listeners where they can keep up with you and anything new or exciting they can look out for. Great, awesome. Okay, well, if people want to stay connected with me, I would love that. As Leah mentioned, my website is thismovedme.com, and my podcast is on iTunes. If you're into presentation development and want to stay inspired yourself, I absolutely love the conversations we're having over there and would love to um, share it with you as well. Um, And then you mentioned my sassy method. Mm -hmm. And in January, I did uh, on Fridays, I do a mini move to me episode, these kind of smaller episodes where I talk about uh, ways that we can create more moving presentations. Mm -hmm. And in January, I focused on the four aspects of sassy space, audience, speaker, and idea. And so I think there's some really good stuff on those episodes. And uh, you can download the book either individually or through the moving presentations email series that I know you will have on the show notes. Mm-hmm. So and that will be at leahpika.com slash 023. All right. <laughs> So pro. I like it. Thanks, Leah. Oh, thank you so much, so much for being on the show. I I think this outside perspective from someone whose whole career is around helping presenters create moments and connect with their audience is so valuable. Something we don't hear about a lot in this industry. And I just have loved crossing paths with you. And I, I really look forward to keeping up with all your stuff. Aw, thanks, Leah. It was a delight to be on the show and great to connect with your listeners. And you and I, we need to keep doing this. Yeah. Every once in a while, you yeah. will just go back and forth on each other's shows. We'll just have it be like part 18. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just an excuse. We need an excuse. That's all. We we can't do just simple phone calls. We'll have no. to, yeah. Do we want to record episode. it. <laughs> Publish it. Right. Listen to reggae music. <laughs> Exactly. Well, thanks again and take care. Yes, you too. Thanks, Leah.
Isn't she a trip? (laughs) I hope that brought as much value to you as it did to me, no matter what capacity you're currently presenting in. And remember, even though today you may only be recounting campaign performance over the phone, one day you might be up there on the big stage sharing your knowledge and passion with the world. And if so, I hope that you remember this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Present Beyond Measure show. If you've liked what you've heard, please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are extremely appreciated because they affect the rankings of the show and help get this content to listeners like you. And I'll be reading out my favorite ones on future episodes. To catch all of the resources mentioned here, visit leahpika.com slash 027. And there's lots of good stuff there. Or you could tweet me a question for the show by including my Twitter handle, which is at Leah Pika, and including the hashtag PBM, as in present beyond measure. And if you're ready for you or your team to gain a unique edge as an analyst or marketer by presenting your data and insights in a way that gets noticed, remembered, and acted upon, you're ready for a workshop with me. With a blend of neuroscience-based storytelling, best practice design, and visualization, and a side of entertaining tough love, my workshops can create a really memorable and invaluable learning experience for you and your team. If you'd like to learn more about that, please visit leahpika.com slash workshop, and that link will be on the show notes page. This episode was sponsored by my kick-ass company, Search Discovery. Search Discovery is a digital intelligence company that empowers organizations to make transformative business decisions. Our enablement, empowerment, and advisory services help organizations capture, understand, and communicate the right data to propel their business forward. And our goal? To enable high fives, handshakes, and business impact. You can learn more about us at searchdiscovery.com. And I'll leave you with a little bit of presentation inspiration from D.H. Lawrence, and that is, be still when you have nothing to say. When genuine passion moves you, say what you've got to say and say it hot. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's it for today. Namaste. That's a wrap. All right. Let the chaos begin. <laughs> I just hear your lovely voice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't hear it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Arts have I told you not to touch my equipment? <laughs> That's a whole lot of mayhem (laughs) in your house. And every once in a while you have a Calgon take me away moment. (laughs)